Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege to open up your word. I pray that you will help me handle it accurately and in accordance with the truth that it represents. And I pray, Father, that you would bless those who are here to hear this message. And for those who can't uh, be with us today, that might hear a little bit later, bless them. And for those who might be listening or watching online today, we pray your blessings over them as well. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So today we are talking about, and again, I'm going to use this clicker here. Today we're talking about the gospel. And here's some good news. Now, all summer long, we've been talking about this good news summer series. And in the summer series, we've talked about how we are free and how we are rich and how we are family. Last week, we talked about how we are transformative. Uh, this morning, um, as I was uh, walking around while the, the burgers were cooking, I was uh, listening to the last two sermons, uh, and uh, sometimes uh, you might think that might be punishment, but uh, it helps me uh, get back into the groove of the thought process that we have here as we're sharing these messages. And today, what we want to talk about is how you are powerful, how you're powerful, a lot of it has to do with purpose and grace, so kind of remember those two words, purpose and grace. We'll say them quite a bit here this morning. But I saw a commercial the other day, and in that commercial, um, it started with a child saying that someone has said that our generation is the generation not fit. You seen that commercial? Generation not fit. It's for this advertisement called the Daily Mile, where they're encouraging kids to walk a mile each day when they uh, are at school or when they're at home. And so in the commercial, it comes on where it's part of, uh, you know, some people, some of the kids, they walk fast. Some of them run, uh, run it fast. Some of them walk slow. Some of them uh, do it through different other kinds of activities. But I thought that was interesting that this young generation, Gen Z, has already gotten the moniker of Generation Not Fit. Now, would you want that to be your description for your generation? I got news for you. You did. You just didn't know it. Because every generation, it seems like, there's someone who thinks that the generation that's following them is just not up to snuff. You know, they're just not where they need to be. I heard a commentator make this observation. He said, if there was a conspiracy contrived 20 years ago to create a nation full of weak and vulnerable people, it couldn't have worked any better than what has happened in reality. Now, I don't know that that's true, but there is a growing fear that we have raised at least the last three generations of weak and vulnerable people. Now, if you're not sure who you are, if you're not in the last three, that would be if you're a Gen Xer or if you are a um, generation or a millennial, excuse me, or if you're a zillennial or Gen Z, as they call them now. So uh, I don't know that that is true, but like I said, it seems like every older generation thinks that the younger people are weak and vulnerable and not equipped for life. And you know what? That's probably true. But the older and wiser uh, the boomers or the Xers or any of the others, we really don't have the right to say that they can't be 
transformed or grown or empowered because we were in that same boat when we were young people. Um, I remember when I was a teenager and the people uh, of the older generation, uh, especially at church, uh, they didn't like that we moved too fast in the church building. So uh, there was a meeting about how fast the young people were moving through the hallways <laughs> and up and down the steps. And the, uh, I remember actually having a preacher tell me that I was like a monkey. Uh, he didn't think I would amount to anything. I was just like a monkey. And so, um, you know, we all kind of go through those periods. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is when we're young, there are a lot of things we still haven't learned yet. We may have physical power, but we haven't been able to put it all together with experience. And about the time we get all the experience and knowledge we need to actually be effective, what goes our physical ability. So God, he either has a really strange sense of humor or this is all part of his plan to keep us humble and dependent upon him. Well, here's some good news. The gospel contains everything we need from the oldest and wisest to become the powerful and prominent people he has planned for us to be. Let me say that again. The gospel contains everything we need from the oldest and wisest to become the powerful and prominent people he has planned us to be. You know, the amazing thing about the gospel message is that God says to us and he teaches us that he knows that we are weak. He knows we're vulnerable. He knows we have failed. He knows all those things. And yet he says he wants to empower us. And that's how we can say we are powerful. Say it. I am powerful. I'll say it with more conviction than that. I am powerful. There you go. But you're not powerful unless you're doing it through purpose and grace. Because God has given to us this wonderful blessing in purpose and in grace that keeps us empowered. And that's how we live. And that's, how it's, that's why it's so important for us to appreciate that and live that out in our lives the way that we should. So as I said, the gospel, it contains this uh, wonderful message about empowerment. I guess I got to point at the right thing. There we go. Too far. Sorry. Seth, can you just do this? It'll drive me crazy if I don't. And I'll just say change when it's time. Okay. So the gospel doesn't contain this wonderful message for us. And here's the good news about that. You are powerful, but you are powerful not because of brains and brawn. Your power flows from purpose and grace. And that's just like it did for Jesus. His power came from his purpose. His power came because he lived a life of grace. Our fundamental design, body, mind and spirit is to fulfill our purpose guided by grace powered by the holy spirit this is good news so the devil's going to do everything he can to shame us into rejecting this and from sharing it our fundamental setting is that the spirit of god is the power in us this spirit of God that's in us gives us love and uh, in the form of grace and self-discipline. And that's what gives us our power. 
We're not timid, but we can be ashamed into timidity because people like to reject our message. They don't want us to think about the power that we have through Christ. So our fundamental setting should always be the Spirit of God is power, love, and self-discipline. And here's the good news. We are truly powerful because we are saved and safe living according to our original purpose and grace. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 through 10, if you've got your Bibles. And Seth, there'll be a transition here, I think. This verse should come up. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before Jesus. This grace was given us before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Life and immortality. Now, when we think about power, that's one of the things people think about is having the most vibrant life and having the ability to be so strong that you can live forever. And that's exactly what God gives to us through Christ Jesus through his grace and self-discipline. He has saved us. He's called us to a holy not life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So the lesson that we have to learn is it's not something we can do. It's something that we can gain whenever we accept that God has this purpose for us and we live that purpose according to his grace. Here's a transition, Seth. God has saved us and called us to a holy life because of his own purpose and grace, which has before the beginning of time been the plan which Jesus has explained to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Now, boomers won't amount to anything was the message that I heard. You remember, the would it have been the silent generation? We didn't call them the greatest generation. We were kids yet. Tom Brokaw gave them that name a little bit later on. But I can remember when I was told I wasn't going to amount to anything. I had long hair, and so the barber called me a hippie. <laughs> and I was kind of wondering because he had these uh, these different haircut styles, and you know, like a, on the board, uh, like a placard, and they had like the flat top, and they had you know like different kinds of cuts, and none of them really looked that appealing to me. And so about junior high, about eighth grade, ninth grade, I started growing my hair out. And um, so I think in my ninth grade picture, I had hair that was down around my shoulders. And it wasn't super long or anything like that because it got to a certain point and then it started flipping up. And because I got if if my hair grows that long enough, it starts to curl up. But I was called a hippie. And maybe you were called a metalhead if you were young like me. Or maybe if you're a little older, you were called a dove because you were anti-war. Or maybe you were just called a stoner because they thought you were high all the time. We've all lived that time when we were young 
and everybody thought there was something deficient. The gospel, though, is the only thing that can empower every generation to become whatever God has planned for them to be. Why? Because before the very beginning of time, God instituted through Christ this plan that through his own purpose and grace that he would give to us through Christ Jesus, that it would be revealed to us through his appearance and through his example, and it destroys death and it brings to life, or it brings us life and immortality through the gospel. So our purpose and grace is always discovered in what the gospel teaches us in Jesus, from Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the only thing that can empower all generations. These young kids that are here today, uh, don't worry about them. They're not bothering me. I told them, come get whatever colors you need. That's fine with me. They're here with us today. And for all of us, we might look at them and they may move too fast for us here at church or they may be too loud for us or they may cry or, or whatever. And I've always loved the sound of children uh, to a certain extent. I've always loved the sound of children because what that means is that there's life beyond us. I mean, if it were just all old people here in the room and there were no young people, no children or anything like that, that doesn't bode well for the future of the church here. So the gospel message, it empowers every generation, and we need to believe that with all our heart. So we need to hear this. We need to hear this incredible message from the gospel that you are powerful, so exert that power. The biggest trick that the devil plays on us is to make us think we don't have any power. And he does that by making us forget that we are part of God's plan that started for the beginning of time to express his purpose and grace by being like Jesus according to the gospel. When we demonstrate purpose and grace in our life, there's a power that's created that God creates in us so that we don't have to be timid. We don't have to be afraid and through love and self-discipline and then we can overcome just like Paul told young Timothy. God is saved so we hear that. We are powerful so we need to exert that power. You know, I can prove this. If you have a child or a grandchild, do you know how much power they have in their imagination and in what they ask you? You ever think about that? Now, if you are, you know, just a meanie and you just don't tolerate kids ever talking, but if you have children, they are going to be imagining what it is that they want and they can come up with some pretty incredible imagine, imaginative things. Like it may not just be a cookie. It may be the biggest cookie in the world. You know, whatever the case might be. They have these big imaginations. And they're not often, most often, they're not afraid to ask. If you've ever been in Walmart when there's children around, that's just, Mama, I want this. Daddy, I want that. I want this. I want that. So I'm talking about they have this ability to communicate with their parents or grandparents, and especially they do so with their grandparents because grandparents have a tendency to spoil their grandkids. And so we hear what they ask, what they're imagining, and then we'll do everything we can for them. Now, if we will do that, why wouldn't God do that for us? He's given us these wonderful imaginations, and he said, ask me, ask me. We have this power, and so we should exert it. And we exert that power in what we ask and imagine that God can do. And he does that through the power that's already within us. We sometimes think, well, if I can just 
believe enough or if I can grow to this point or if I can get to this point. Oh, God doesn't God said, don't you don't have to wait till that happens. You already have this power within you, and I can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. If you don't believe that, then turn your Bibles to Ephesians 3, verse 16 through 21, where it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God says to us, he will do more through the power that is already at work. What is that power? Well, he just told us what it was. We have this Spirit in our inner being. We have Christ dwelling in our hearts. We are rooted and established in his love. We have that power with the other people of God, God's holy people. We can grasp just how incredible is this love of Christ for us and that it is beyond knowledge even. And we are filled to the measure of the fullness of God, which means God's already filling up us up. And then he says, I can do even immeasurably more than that through the power that is at work within you. You are powerful. So exert that power. How do you exert it? Well, ask and imagine. Ask and imagine. If your life's not the way God, if your life's not going the way you want it to go, get on your knees and pray. Say, Lord, I just want to ask you, this is what I see. This is what I imagine. And I want to live according to your purpose and grace. And as I do that, Lord, I pray that your power be in my life. And you know what? He does. When we live out our love and self-discipline, God can do that. He can add his purpose and grace to that. And then he can change our lives. I've got a little test I want us to do together as a church family. It's good for us to think about it this way. Um, one of the plans we had for this year was to start hitting about 100 in average. And um, as you know, if you can count, you can look around today and say, we're not even close to that. But on most Sundays, we can, we can get most of the, part of the way there, at least half of the way there. And so as we started praying about this earlier in the year, the one thing that kind of kept coming up was, well, we're just not, we're not getting there yet. We're not getting there yet. But the question I have is this. How many of you are exerting your power through prayer to ask and imagine this? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine, and you can imagine whoever it is you want to, imagine the people that you would have around you. Now, not the people who are normally here. Not the people that would be here if they weren't, you know, on vacation or doing something today. I want you to imagine maybe family and friends sitting around you right now, people that you could invite to church and that if everything went just perfectly, they would be here with you. I mean, if, if God would just start knocking down walls and providing opportunities for you to bring your family members to here, think about those. Imagine those people that are around you right now. Just imagine. See them. See them sitting with you, in front of you, behind you. Maybe they're a friend or their neighbor. 
Are you seeing them? Can you imagine that? Do you imagine that if God brought all those people here, we'd actually be where we'd need to be? And then we could grow even more. Now keep your eyes closed. Still see that. And just in your heart, to yourself, just ask God to make it so. God can make that so. He wants us to exert that power. He says, you have not because you ask not. So we ask. And there's a risk in asking because if things don't turn out the way that you want to, you wonder, well, what in the world happened? I'm a failure. No. God wants us to ask. He wants us to believe. And God can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine through the power that's at work within us already. So here's the other part. You can't just imagine and then just ask. You need to let the power work in you. You need to exert that power. You need to show love. You need to show grace. You need to live in self-discipline. Be a good example to the people that are around you. Let them see the light of God that's shining in your heart. And then that brings us to this next part. Share it. Share it. You are powerful, so evangelize that power. So we just had an outage the other day, and uh, does anyone, how, does, how many of y'all have generators? I'm just I'm curious. How many of y'all have generators at home for when the power goes out? A couple of you. Does anyone have a solar generator? No. no one. Do you have a solar generator? How's it working for you? You like it? Yeah, you could talk to Nina. She'll, she'll give you a little insight into solar generators. But... You know, you're thinking about that. You drive down the road and you see all these solar panels and all these different things that are out there. But if you were the only people in the neighborhood when everybody else was out of power and and all you had was a solar generator, even if you had a gas generator, would you want everyone from the neighborhood to drag down a long cord and plug it into your generator? You just might say, well, they're not... I mean, they're not prepared. Why should I share with them? I mean, they're making all these decisions. They weren't wise like I'm being wise. But we sometimes think about that in terms of the gospel, you know, sharing the gospel. Well, they're making up their own decisions. You know, if they, if they want to live that way, then so be it. But if we have God's grace in our heart, the thought we're going to have is if we can share something that can save them, that can help them, then we want to share it. You are powerful, so evangelize that power. You don't have to be old or you don't have to be super wise. I heard my granddaughter, uh, Isabella, talking to my other granddaughter, Rayan, the other day in the car. And Isabella presented the gospel message to Isabella just as pure and plain as better than probably I could have to Rayan. And so they're having this conversation just as we're going down the road about heaven and about hell and about Jesus and about how he died for us. And if you believe in Jesus and you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven and all these different kinds of things. And if, how old are you, uh, Isabella? Are you 12? No, I'm nine. She's nine. So even if you're nine years old, you can share this good news. Evangelize your power by setting forth the truth plainly. That's all we're called to do. And by being authentic. Because if there are those who don't understand the truth, it is because the devil's already in their minds. But that doesn't stop us from preaching, the, preaching Christ as Lord 
as we let his light shine out of our hearts, knowing we are fragile, but that's just in the flesh. And if we're filled up with the all-sustaining power of God, when we are pressured or persecuted, we can rise through the power of the cross. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 10 tells us that. It says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. What's the ministry he's talking about? He's talking about sharing the good news. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Here Paul tells his friends in Corinth that they have this wonderful power to share. But it's not their bodies, it's not their wisdom, it's not their creativity, it's the message of Christ. And sometimes we forget that the most pure truth that we can share with those around us is that Jesus is our Savior. That he's the one who died for us. That if we believe in him, he can help us get through there was a period where um, we called it the seeker-friendly period where you would take gospel message, but you'd strip from it all the, the, the Jesus and God and things like that. And you would just share principles with people who were seeking and they would be attracted to the principles and then somehow they would come to God. And what we found out with that is the, the old axiom that one of my college professors says, you win them to what you win them with. We raised a generation of people who were just interested in the principles, but they weren't interested in Christ. They wanted the results. They wanted the victory. They wanted the, the wealth. They wanted the blessing, but they didn't want Jesus. They didn't want God. We preach Christ and him crucified, simply and plainly. We evangelize that power. Paul said it this way, come let us reason together. And that's how we do it. We evangelize that power by sitting down with our friends around coffee or at the dinner table or in our living rooms or people that we work with on breaks. I wouldn't say that you should do it if you're supposed to be working. Uh, your bosses might frown on that. But anytime you have any, any interaction, conversation, water cooler talk or whatever the case might be, talk about Jesus and how he's changed your life. Let them see how Jesus is changing your life. Set forth that truth plainly. A few years ago, we had this uh, we had this thing called the My Five. Did it bring that up for me? Yeah, remember the My Five? I challenge you to get five people that you are going to start praying for and that you are going to present the gospel to uh, uh, that in, in the next few weeks. You know, for Christ, you're, you're five. 
So I want you to do that again as we're thinking about getting our average of 150, that if each of us that were here today, let's say we were, we were each able to bring five people, it would be much more than what we'd even ask or what we've imagined here. What is your five? And again, I want you to think about it. I want you to go home today, and I want you to sit down and make a list. And I remember I gave you cards last time, but uh, I wanted you just to do this on your own. You go and you list five people that you need to get to church that need to know the Lord Jesus. And you start praying for them today. And you ask the Lord, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to them this week about you and about how you can help them and about how you can save them and change them. Now, you might say, well, I'm kind of bashful, I'm kind of shy. Well, if that's, the, if that's the case, then just go home, shut your doors, zip up everything, and don't have any communication with anyone else. Because if you ever talk to anybody about anything, whether it's the weather or the Reds or the Bengals or whatever, your, your recipe for zucchini squash, if you talk to people about anything else, you can talk to them about Jesus. You just tell them plainly what Jesus has done for you and how he's changed your life. You list those five people and then you make a commitment. You pray to the Lord that you will speak to those five. You give, say, Lord, give me opportunities to reach out to them. As we share and we exert this power, we evangelize this power, I don't want you to worry about failing. Don't worry about failing. One of the biggest reasons that we don't do any, that we don't try, is because we're afraid to fail. I've got news for you. Everybody fails. Even the people who are successful, they failed a lot of times to get to that point of success. I can't give you one example of maybe Jesus, of someone who came out of the womb, and they didn't have a lot more failures than they've had successes in their lives. They had to just keep working at it. Did keep trying. So I want to encourage you, don't worry about failing. Just keep doing what God has called you to do. And his promise is that he'll do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Did you know the Apostle Paul, he failed more often from a worldly point of view than we think? How many times was he in prison? How many times was he beaten? How many times did they try to kill him? He went into cities and he was, there was, when he went into Damascus, they had to let him down on the, out, on the outer wall in a basket. Otherwise, he would have been killed. Does that sound like a successful revival to you? <laughs> you know, after church, if I'm running down the road and y'all are chasing me with, uh, you know, rakes or guns or whatever, people would say, well, that wasn't a very good sermon today, you know. That was a failure. Don't be afraid to fail. Paul was, he failed all the time. Peter failed. John failed. All the apostles, they failed because, as we read earlier, Satan does have a hold of the minds of some people. He's blinded them where they can't see. But it's our privilege to still share with them the truth. That's why Paul told his young friend Timothy this in 2 Timothy 1, 12. He said, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Every word you speak, every smile you offer, every kind gesture you give in the name of Jesus Christ does not return void. 
You just have to entrust all of that. And you know, for Paul, most of the success that he might have enjoyed came after, after he was martyred. Same thing for Peter and most of the other disciples. Only John lived to uh, a ripe old age, and he'd already been, they had already tried to boil him in order, oil to death. I know whom I believe, and I am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Trust that every encouraging word, every invitation, every kind expression, every act of service, everything you do, every time you're here at church, it is being guarded by God and used for his purpose and his grace. That's power. That is power. Ask. Imagine and talk. That's all you got to do. Ask, imagine, and talk. God teaches us that from before the beginning of time, he wanted us to honor him in this particular way and fulfill that purpose and live out that grace by being like Jesus. So do that this week and honor him. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to have our young people in here with us today. And I pray, Lord, you might bless them with the words that they might have heard or, or this, the uh, sheets that they have that they can take home and hang up on their fridge or maybe sit down with their moms, dads, or grandmas, and grandpas, just read through those things. And I pray, Lord, for all of us who have heard this message, that as we exert our power by asking and imagining, we pray here today together that you'd bless this church so that we start to see hundreds, 100 people coming to be with us each Sunday. And then that'll just be the starting point that by the time we get around to our anniversary season uh, next summer, that we might be... Uh, seeing 150 as we celebrate 150 years, and that we continue on and grow and and fill up this building and utilize all the facilities that you have blessed us with for your glory and for your honor. I know that it all starts with each of us here being willing to exert that power by asking and imagine and then sharing, evangelizing the people that we know not with fancy words or whiteboard presentations, but just telling them what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them. Truth, plainly. Help us to ask and imagine and talk to others about that and realize that that's our power. That is the power that we have. In your purpose and your grace, that you exerted in your son, Jesus Christ, when you brought him back from the dead and gives life to our mortal bodies here on this earth. Lord, we love you and thank you for this opportunity to share today and all these things. Let all God's people say.